It's good to see everybody here this morning. A few more than we had at Sunday school, so that's good. If you've got the Bibles, this morning we'll turn to Luke chapter 13. We're going to look at a picture. We're just saying of amazing grace. We're going to look at a picture of the grace of our Lord this morning. In Luke chapter 13. Title the message, A Daughter's Deliverance. We're going to see how the Lord worked in the, in the life of a woman that apparently he had never met before. It's the first time he ever saw her and he worked something. Um, look at the, the working of uh, the Lord in the life of, of someone that as far as we know he never met before. But he does that. He works in the, in the lives of people that, that, uh, uh, that have never met him before. And he does great things uh, for people. So let's pray again before we start. Father, thank you for allowing us again to be in your house. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to look into your word. We thank you as a, as a body of of believers uh, to come together and to look at uh, what our Lord has done in the life of, of someone in the past. And Lord, we all have experiences of what you've done in our lives, but it, it helps us to look back and see uh, what the scriptures have to say about uh, the Lord Jesus working in the lives of people. And so we pray this morning as we look at this passage that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to understand the scriptures. We pray, Father, that you might touch us uh, with the message of your word. And we commit this time to you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're in uh, Luke chapter 13. Luke, uh, I think I told you Luke chapter 14. I meant, uh, if I did, I'm, I was in error. It's Luke chapter 13 that we're in this morning. I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 10. It says, And he, he, being Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by him. So this is a record of Jesus healing a woman who had had the same infirmity for 18 years. These are actual events, by the way. This isn't a parable. There's no mention of this being a parable. This was a real person. This was a real synagogue that Jesus had visited for the purpose of teaching them on this uh, Sabbath day. This is this woman that we're we're not given her name, uh, but she was a very specific person who had a very specific need that she could not meet herself. That is the important point here. She could not meet this need by herself. And there was no one around her who could meet this need for her until this one Sabbath day when Jesus came. This is a specific application of Jesus' healing touch. Now while these are first century events, they're very applicable to 21st century uh, Christians and non-Christians alike. And so I'd like for us to look at it. And the first thing I'd like us to look at is the grip that this infirmity had on this woman. We see it there in verse 11. Luke introduces us, very first off, to a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, and he tells us that she'd been suffering for 18 years. And he describes that infirmity as she was bowed together. 
I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it seems to be in the um, give us this idea that she's 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 bent over, and she can't straighten herself back up. And for 18 years, um, we're told that she could in no wise lift herself up. There was no hope for this woman to have any any area of self correction in her life. She couldn't heal herself, and she knew that. And after 18 years, I'm sure she realized that. And yet she keeps coming back to the synagogue and serving uh, God. And she comes to a place of prayer. She comes to a place of worship. And I'm sure for 18 years she's prayed over and over, Lord, would you, could you please deliver me from this infirmity? Verse 16 tells us that Satan had bound her for those 18 years. So her condition that she has, whatever this is, it wasn't due to an injury, not according to this passage. It wasn't due to malnutrition on her part. It wasn't due to um, <clears throat> any other natural cause that we could have assigned to it. Jesus said Satan has had her bound for this time period. She was bound by a spiritual force that by herself she could not defeat. Again, that's important that we realize as we look through this passage, there's nothing she can do about it. There's nothing that could happen without somebody who could remove that infirmity. And she wasn't the person to do it, and no one in that... Uh, in that synagogue was able to, but unless someone could, she faced a lifetime of misery. And I'm sure that by this point, after 18 years of it, she's probably reached that conclusion. Unless somebody can come along to help me, I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. There's nothing I can do. Now, there's a spiritual application to that. She is an illustration of every person who has never been saved by the grace of God. They have a spiritual infirmity that nobody that they can't take away themselves and nobody can take it away from them except the grace of God. They're lost in their sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. If a person has never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, they're lost. And they can't do anything about it. That lost condition isn't due, by the way, to any specific <coughs> sinful activity. A person is who has never trusted Jesus Christ, the, the Bible calls them lost. It's not, they're not lost because they stole a pack of chewing gum when they were little. They're not lost because they told their mother a little white lie or a big black lie when they were little. They're not lost because they do any particular activity. They're lost because they were born with a sin nature like every one of us was. And we were bound in sin just as much as this woman is bound in this infirmity that she can't get over by herself. A person who is lost, they're in that spiritual bondage. They've been created in the image of God but that image has been so marred by sin that they're permanently disabled with that sin nature. They're bent over, they're bent double in that with that sin carrying that bond or that burden of sin, and they can't get rid of it themselves. That's what we have to understand. That's the spiritual application here. Because of that inherited sin nature, they can't straighten themselves. Without the, without the aid of somebody who can come along and take away that sin, They'll have that condition from now on, won't they? Just like this woman thought, from now on I'm going to be bent double with sin unless somebody can help me. Well, that's, that's where we go from the grip of the infirmity to the grace of the Master because the Master has arrived that day. He's coming to that synagogue. We're looking, starting in verses 12 and looking at the next few verses, Luke introduces the only one who could master that woman's spirit of infirmity. And we get to listen in on what happens as we read through this verse, or, or these verses. Verse 12 says that Jesus saw her. He was there to teach. We're told that in verse 10. 
But while he was there, he saw that woman. He noticed her doubled over with that infirmity. Sadly, very sadly, he may have been the only one there that noticed her that day that paid attention. She's in the synagogue with a whole bunch of people, but you don't see, there's nothing about people trying to help her, is it? It may be that that day, that he's the only one that really noticed that uh, she was there and that she was in this, she had this plight. She was doubled over and she couldn't help herself. Maybe they were all so familiar with her that they were blinded to her need. Maybe they'd come in every day and said, yeah, there she is. They've, they've seen her all year after year after year, and maybe they don't notice it anymore, that she's got this plight. You know what's it's really sad? They may have stopped praying for her by this time. Well, that's just the way it is. She's not going to be, there's nothing's going to be any better. Some people may have just been, they may have noticed she was there, but they were just too uncomfortable to, to, to approach her. I don't know what to say to her. She's been this way for all these years, and I just don't know what to say, so I'll just, I'll just sit over here, away from her. It doesn't really matter what case it might have been. In any case, no one, according to this passage, no one there bothered to introduce her to Jesus. These people had heard about Jesus by now in his ministry. They knew that he was a great teacher. Many of them knew that he was said to be the Son of God, that he was the Messiah. They knew that he was a healer. But you don't see anyone here in the synagogue that is introducing this woman to the healer. That's a sad state, isn't it? But that's where she was. Did it make a lot of difference? Not that day. Because Jesus noticed her. He saw this woman. And then we read in verse 12, looking further, not only did he see her, we're told that Jesus called her to him. Now that's when it gets to be good, isn't it? He called her to himself. He said he made sure that she knew two things. One, she knew she had been noticed. No one else in that synagogue that day may have noticed her, even the ruler of the synagogue. Maybe he didn't notice her, but Jesus did. And she, he made sure she knew that. And then he made sure that she knew he wanted her near himself. Isn't that good? Isn't that good when we start thinking of a spiritual condition when we were lost? The Lord noticed us and He wanted us near Himself. That's a picture of grace, isn't it? And I can't help but wonder if when He called her to come sit with Him, if maybe He nudged aside some of those people that had, a, <clears throat> that had been overlooking her. He says, you don't mind, do you? You don't mind if she sits here beside me. <laughs> maybe people wanted to be beside Jesus. Maybe they flocked in. Well, we're going to get to sit beside the speaker. This is Jesus. And maybe he said, you don't mind if she sits here, do you? Come on over here and sit with me. That's what the Lord does, isn't it? He pays attention to us. <coughs> Excuse me. He saw her. He called her to him. And then we're told in verse 12, He said unto her, Thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Oh, those are happy words, aren't they? Even with that infirmity, I want you to know now, even with that infirmity, she had come to the place of worship and prayer. Because she hadn't lost hope. She still believed in a God who could help her. Maybe she'd been doing that for many long years. Maybe for all 18 years of this infirmity, she'd been coming to this synagogue. And she'd been listening to the scriptures. She'd been praying. But something different happened that day. The Master <coughs> excuse me, came that day. And he answered her prayers with words that she had longed to hear for nearly two decades. Can you imagine that? Two decades. There were people in that synagogue who had grown up there 
and they'd never known her not to be in that infirmity. And now they're adults. An entire generation had passed. And she's sitting there. Now the master's come. And he says, you come here. And he says, today you're loose from your infirmity. Well, all of this has been basically words up to this point, hasn't it? Jesus has come in. He looked. He saw her. He said, come sit with me. And then he says, you're loose from your infirmities today. Then Luke moves to something different. Not just the words of the Lord. He looks to the actions of the Lord. He moves past conversation to actions. Because he said in verse 13, Jesus laid His hands on her. And he, we're told that immediately she was made straight. First He drew her to Himself. Or, or first He noticed her. Then He drew her close to Himself. And then He healed her. He applied that healing touch. And it's His healing in this instance was not a process, by the way. Brother Paul went to the hospital yesterday and the doctors gave him some medicine. And they sent him home. And they said, come back and see us and we're going to go through a process. And we're going to try to figure out what's wrong. Well, this was not a process this day. This was an event. Jesus said, what did he say? He laid his hands on her. And he said, your infirmity, you're loose from that infirmity. And immediately, we're talking about verse 13, she was made straight. She came face to face with the fact that day that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, even her infirmity. She came face to face with that. And everybody in that synagogue saw it that day too. Some of them didn't like it. We'll get to that in a minute. But they saw it, didn't they? And the next thing we read in verse 13 is that she glorified God. Now Jesus' healing was immediate. So was her praise. It wasn't delayed at all. She started praising Him right there. She wasted no time giving glory to who? She glorified God. She recognized her healing had come from God and it had come through the healing touch of the Son of God. And she glorified Him immediately. Now, we read in verses 14 and 15 that uh, Luke, he records the reaction of a, a rather ungracious ruler of the synagogue, doesn't he? Let's read those verses. Verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. A woman who's been, she's been inflicted with this infirmity for 18 years She's healed on the spot. She's glorifying God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Oh my. Oh my. You couldn't possibly do something good on the Sabbath day, could you? Oh, this is terrible. It's, it's scandalous. And he said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. And then therefore come, and then therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. That's sad. It really is, isn't it? The leader of the, of the synagogue, the one who, should, who would lead them in worship week after week after week. Not only did he not introduce this woman to Jesus, but he got angry when, or he, he had indignation, we'll use that word, when Jesus healed her. It's very sad. Jesus, we were told, rebuked him and all of the others there in that building that day who were steeped in a cold, sterile religion that said you can come and you can read the Bible, and you can pray, and maybe we'll sing some songs, but oh, don't help somebody on the Sabbath, because that would be terrible. He rebuked them all. And then in verse 16, we read why Jesus, or what His rationale was for healing that woman on the Sabbath day. He said she's a daughter of Abraham. She's a member of the chosen, God's chosen people. Why would I not heal her? on God's day of worship, on God's day of prayer. He said she's been a, a target of Satan's oppression for essentially an entire generation. you got people out here who have grown up in this synagogue and they've never known that woman to be healthy a day in their life. Why would I not want to heal her? 
He says, she's the daughter of Abraham. Shouldn't, he says, shouldn't she be given relief from her burden? You, you'll go out, you'll lead your livestock out of the stall and give them water and something to eat on the Sabbath day. Why would we not extend that same kind of graciousness or that same kind of care to a daughter of Abraham? She's one of God's chosen. And he said, why wouldn't we do that on the day of, of God's rest? Why wouldn't we do that on the day of worship? Why wouldn't we do that on the day of prayer? So he's rebuking them all. And this lady has glorified God on account of it. Now there's, as I said, there's spiritual applications all over the place in this passage. We've looked at the grip of the infirmity and and the spiritual application there. Let's look at some things that have to do with the spiritual application of the, uh, the grace of the Master. This woman couldn't heal herself. We've already seen that. But she could attend a place of prayer and worship, couldn't she? She was there that day. She came. She recognized that could be a place of God's healing if He chooses to, and so she made herself there. But I think she probably also reached a point of, even if God chooses not to heal me, if He chooses not to take this burden, I can still be there. I can still be close to His people. I can still hear the Word of God read. I can still pray. I can still worship. And so she was there. She had endured, endured. She had endured that infirmity for 18 years. But not without the Lord's notice. She'd been suffering. Satan had had her bound with his doubled over infirmity, but God had noticed. It didn't just occur to him that morning when Jesus got there, oh, by the way, she's had this problem for 18 years. He knew about it. He had watched. And he had watched her make her way Even though she couldn't straighten herself up, she could make her way to the place of worship. And the one who called her to pray had listened intently to her prayers. Doesn't that encourage you? The God who calls us to pray listens when we pray. And He hears. And the God who led her to the synagogue attendance in spite of her pain saw that devotion. And He said, she's one of mine. And I'm going to take care of that. I want you to know when that woman got there, when Jesus got there, she did not seek Him for healing. She was just sitting in the synagogue like everybody else. She didn't go say, as, as many in Scripture in the New Testament that we see when Jesus passed by, they started shouting for Him, Heal me. Have mercy on me. She didn't do that. She was just sitting there. But He noticed her. And He called her to Himself. That is a beautiful picture of God's grace, isn't it? That's what He does to every lost person. He calls them, come to Me and I will save you. I will deliver you from your sin. You can't do it yourself, but I can surely surely take that burden away from you. So it's a beautiful picture of His grace, isn't it? I want you to note also, had that woman been absent from the synagogue that day, she wouldn't have received that blessing, would she? That's 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 a very good lesson, isn't it? It would have meant that she missed an opportunity for, to be noticed by the healer and to be called to sit alongside and to hear those words, today you're loose from that infirmity. In the same way, lost people benefit from coming to church. That's why we invite people who have never trusted Christ to come and be here because they benefit from being in the presence of the Lord. This is a place where God can move among His people, isn't it? And so lost people benefit from being here. It's also where He often calls sinners to come to repentance in God's house. People can be saved in their, in their house, in their, in their living room. They can be saved on the job. 
But God's house is where often that call goes out and the Holy Spirit is moving among people and He calls them to repent. And He, he points out, as we talked about this morning, as part, part of, the, of the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin in the lives of people who are lost. And He makes it very clear to them, you're lost and you can't fix that problem yourself. This woman had no doubt in her mind, I can't fix this problem I have. But there was one there that day who could. And that's why we want lost people to be in church as well. Because the Holy Spirit calls them to repentance. And along with that repentance and faith in Christ comes eternal life, doesn't it? That's, that is a spiritual application. Here. Now, some people that distance themselves from this woman, we talked about that earlier. Jesus called her to Himself. He said, come, come sit with me. Come be close to me. That's a picture of, a, of a, the tender care of the great shepherd taking care of a wounded lamb, isn't it? She was a daughter of Abraham. She was in that chosen people. She had a burden, and the great shepherd said, you come see me, I'll take care of it. I'll be right here with you until it's done. And so he healed her. He met the need that she could never have met on her own. Just like the Lord always meets the need of those who call on Him in repentance and in faith, he will save them. He won't turn any away. We have that on the authority of Scripture. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he said, any who come to me, I won't turn them away. And so that's, a, that's the good news that we see here of this woman. His, teeth, his touch, rather, brought immediate deliverance from Satan's 18-year grip. Immediate. And I'm sure Satan was not happy about that that day. But you know what? Our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't care what Satan's happy about, does He? It doesn't bother Him at all. He is the Lord of glory. And so He, he loosened that grip. Just like every sinner who receives this, the healing touch of Jesus, they're released from that burden. Whether Satan likes it or not, they're released. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great? I mean, we, we should be the ones glorifying God too because of this knowledge, shouldn't we? So he brought that immediate release. Every person who trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, they have that immediate delivery from a grip of sin that they can't get rid of. And infirmity, they may have been carrying it a lot longer than 18 years. That burden of sin, we're born with it. But he gives immediate delivery. He enables them to stand straight and tall in the Lord, just like that woman. He said, you're, you're done. You can stand up straight now. And I'm sure she did. And I'm sure she... Uh, they, they tell you when... Um, when you're singing, if you're in a in a choir or something, they say don't don't stoop over. You got to stand up straight. You got to get the full diaphragm into it. Well, I'm sure this lady was standing straight and tall, and every every bit of air she had was going into glorifying God. Well, that's what a sinner can do when they're saved by the grace of God, isn't it? She was never going to be bent low with that burden again. Someone who trusts Christ as Savior, they don't ever have to be bent low with that burden of sin. It's taken. It's gone. The Lord says, you have eternal life and there's none that can take it away from you. He said, you're in my, my hand and no one can get you out of my hand. Isn't that good news? Well, that's, that's what this lady, she saw that. I'm never going to be bent low with that burden again. Sin may be long-standing in our lives, but I'll tell you what, Jesus' infinite power and holiness is a whole lot stronger than any desire that, for sin in our lives. And that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to get uh, into the, to the hearts and the minds of any who are lost. Come to me. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith, your trust in Him, and that sin burden will be gone. You'll never have to, you'll never be bent over with it, doubled over with it again. 
So immediately after being healed, this woman glorified God. That is a, that's a picture of saved sinners coming to a point where they worship God. And they praise Him because he, of what He's done for them and because they realize that He's delivered them from that. Jesus referred to her, as I said before, He, he called her a daughter of Abraham. She was a physical descendant of God's chosen people. I'm here to tell you, anyone who receives Christ as Savior, they become one of God's chosen people. They're born into His family, and they'll never be taken from that family again. They might continue to sin from time to time because we still have a sin nature, but we're not, we're not eliminated. We're not booted out of the family because of it, are we? We all have in our families, we have people who maybe are shunned or maybe they do things and people get a little disappointed with them, but they're still part of the family, aren't they? Anyone who puts their faith in Christ is part of that family and then you're going to be there from now on. So this was, this was immediate. He called her that daughter of Abraham. Uh, she demonstrated faith by being in the place of worship on the Sabbath day. She could have been somewhere else. She was doubled over with that sin, but she chose to be there. Much the same way that uh, Abraham put his, chose to put his faith in God. And what does the Scripture say? That faith was accounted to him for righteousness. It's the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ that is accounted to us for righteousness, and we're born into his family. Everyone who has ever been uh, become a Christian, that's what they had to do. They had to put their faith in him. Anyone who will be saved have to put their faith in the, in the Son of God. So we've looked at the uh, grip that that infirmity had on this woman. We've seen the, the grace that the Master had on this woman. Now I'd like us to look at the Lord's glorious works. Verse 17 tells us this. I'll read it again. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. All the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Luke tells us his adversaries were ashamed at that point. The, the synagogue ruler who said, yeah, why in the world would you heal somebody on Sabbath? He's ashamed. The people who agreed with him there, the people who had ignored this woman, who thought that she's not important, they're all put to shame now at this point because Jesus has singled her out for something that he wanted to do to her, or for her rather. And we're told that all the people rejoiced for these glorious things. People who were, uh, every rational person, I would say, in that building that day said, this is a great thing. The Son of God has come among us and He's worked a miracle that not a one of us could have ever done if we had wanted to. Maybe some of them even then thought, why in the world didn't we pay attention to that lady the way He did? Shame on us. Or some were ashamed. Maybe they were ashamed because they neglected her need. Maybe they were ashamed because they had begrudged Jesus healing her on the Sabbath. But it says many of them were ashamed. Maybe they, uh, they were ashamed again because they had failed to demonstrate God's love to one of their own because there's no indication that anybody was, was helping her. She's just among the, the synagogue here. But for whatever reason, Jesus' actions brought many of them to shame. Others rejoiced that God had chosen to work through Jesus that day when they were there and they could see it and they praised God because of it. We all do the same thing, shouldn't we? As Christians, we ought to be praising God continually for the things He had done for us and the things He has done for people around us as we see Him working. They recognized God's work and they welcomed Jesus as the one God had sent. That's the result of that. And so, we're told, they rejoiced over it. Spiritual application of that, Jesus' words have power to grip everyone who listens to them, don't they? 
The Word of God has that power. People can reject it, but it still has a grip. It draws you in. You want to know what He has to say. Even unbelievers are brought to shame when they reject the Word of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict them of sin in their lives. Again, as we talked about this morning, Christians rejoice when a sinner is released from bondage, don't they? Just like the people in this synagogue, the ones who are rational, they looked at this woman who's been suffering for all these years and they say, this is great. Glorify God for this because of the work that He's done. Christians, we do the same thing when someone who's lost comes to know Jesus Christ. We rejoice over that, don't we? We don't begrudge it. We, we love it when someone is born into God's family. You know, sometimes people, you, if, you, if you talk to people who are lost, you hear them, they'll make excuses. Well, if there's an invitation given in a church, well, I don't want to go forward because I've been coming to church here a while. Uh, maybe a long time, and people, maybe they think I'm a Christian already, and I, I don't want to come forward because it, it, I'd be embarrassed, and they would think harsh of me. This woman had been coming to the synagogue apparently for 18 years. They didn't begrudge. They, were, they glorified God when she came to be healed, to be released from that infirmity, and that's what Christians do. We rejoice when a sinner is released. Just to, to wrap up, we've seen the grip that that infirmity had on her. We've seen the grace of the Master as He dealt with her. We've seen the uh, the glorious works of the Lord and how people glorified Him after He did this. That woman in Luke chapter 13, she pictures someone, as I've said, who carries a very heavy burden, doesn't she? She pictures somebody, uh, it's a burden that maybe has been born for a lot of years, that, that sin burden. They've, been, they've borne it for a long time. It's a burden that has no human solution. I can't remove that burden of sin from anyone. No one in this room can. But the Lord can, can He? It's a burden that has that person doubled over and they will stay that way Excuse me, with no ability to straighten themselves. It pictures the, the burden of sin in their life and there is only one person who can remove that burden and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's only when they put their faith in the, in the Son of God that that burden will ever be lifted. That's the picture of what we've seen here. The it's a very apt illustration. Again, this is not a parable that we looked at today. This was, a very, this was a story of a very real person who had a very real need. I'm just going to say, if you happen to be here today and you've never trusted Christ, you have a very real need. You are a very real person. You have a very real need. And the Lord sees that need. He's noticed you. He's noticed you many times before. And He sees you today. I would just ask you to listen for that voice. Listen for His voice. When He calls, when He says, He's calling you to come to Himself. Come, come, come be near Me. And when He says, um, that the, the, He's saying, come to Me so that you can hear those specific words. Thou art loose from thine infirmity. Now, wouldn't it be great if someone today, whether it's in this church or other churches meeting around us, would come to that point where they would say, I've got that infirmity. I can't take it off. And no one in this building can, but the Lord Jesus can. And I want to hear those words. I've been loose from that infirmity. If you're here this morning and if you never trusted Christ, you can experience that immediate release of sin in your life, of that sin burden. You can. And then you can glorify God for the mighty works He's done in you. And we can glorify God for the mighty works He's done. Again, I'll remind you, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what He's here. That's why that is still His, his ministry. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to point people to Jesus Christ 
So I would encourage you to do that today. If, you've, if you're here and you never trusted Christ, if you're here and you have trusted Christ, then let's go away from this place today, glorifying God for the things that He's done in our lives and the things that He'll continue to do in the lives of people around us. So I hope that's been helpful. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for allowing us to look into Your Word. Thank You for the, the events that we've seen here in this Gospel account. This is a real person. She had a very real need, a very real need to her. Uh, every day of her life, she got up and she was, she was burdened with that infirmity. And there was any, not anything that she could do about it. There was nothing any doctor could do. No one that she knew could help her with that burden. Yet she continued to go to the place of worship. She continued, I'm sure, to pray uh, for deliverance. And one day, Jesus came to that synagogue and He noticed her and He called her to Himself. And when she came to Him, He delivered her from that infirmity. And Father, that still happens today. There are people around us who've never trusted Jesus Christ. They've got a terrible infirmity that they can't loose themselves from. And they don't know anyone who can loose that infirmity uh, to give them relief from it. It's the burden of sin that they carry everywhere they go, every day of their lives. Father, I pray that You might work among churches like this one. I pray that people would see that Jesus Christ will remove that burden if they simply put their faith and their trust in Him. If there should be anyone here today, Lord, who's never trusted Christ as their personal Savior, I pray this might be the day that they would come to Him in faith, that they would trust Him, and that they would be born again into the family of God. Thank You again for what You've done in each of our lives. I pray as we go our separate ways that You go with us. Protect us, Father, and bring us back at the next appointed time. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.